0: Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we assemble to explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. In this, our sixth season, we are looking at the Avengers. I'm Andy Nelson from the Next Real Film Podcast. And I'm Pete Wright. And today, one of the
1: central questions of the MCU, does Loki know how to wrestle?
0: <laughs> I will never. we may never know, Pete. Uh, today, I we're talking know. about Minute 84, which begins with Thor running at Loki. And ends with another downed mercenary. But from whom? Back on the show this week. We have Mike Gravano from the superhero show show and movie of the year. Hey Mike.
2: Hello, I'm back and happy to be here, you mighty Marvel
0: Minoteers. <laughs> there it is. That's three. <sighs> that's that three. Lock it in. Finally nailed it. Trademark? <laughs> Trade <right>. <laughs> the Mighty Marvel Minoteers. We need a shirt, Pete. Yep. Mighty Marvel. <laughs>
1: Making a note, Andy <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: All right. Well, yesterday, at the end of our minute, we had Thor coming through the doorway into the detention hall and seeing Loki uh, stepping out, and, and he starts bellowing at him, and we cut. So we decided, let's save our Thor conversation for today, and here we are. So we've got this moment of Thor running at Loki, and Loki's little—this little it's <laughs> little i am going to wrestle ya uh, move that he does, and then disappearing. His half-crouch.
1: <laughs> what is up with that move? Like, his hands... Like, he looks like every 1950s wrestler's yearbook picture. <laughs>
2: well, oh, yeah. they're old gods, Pete. So yes. their methods are <laughs> not are. up to snuff. They're not the most modern of wrestlers. <laughs> that is true. Okay,
1: I appreciate you setting us straight. <laughs> you can tell, like, underneath all those leathers... Uh, it's a singlet Yeah, singlet mm-hmm. He's used to wearing the big ear cap thing <laughs> The ear caps. yes
0: <laughs> Well, um, he has to, to pull all that hair back the, Right, the
1: that way. would have been the, a real power move in this movie If he had, like, magicked his, himself into that outfit For just, like, a second if, as Thor runs <laughs> yes. through Yes, that's the, what, the biggest flaw with Loki Is they don't let him just
2: full Bugs Bunny With his yes. God of Mischiefness <laughs>
1: But yes, right? Like I'm I'm not I'm more than less than half joking because there's more than, like why doesn't Loki occasionally just have a hole that he pulls out of his pocket right. and puts on the ground and have people fall through it? I want like full on Acme level stuff occasionally. Because that's mischief. This oh that so yes.
2: good. Especially in Thor one and here, he's kind of the god of petulance more than he is the yes. god of
0: mischief. <laughs> right. Very true, very true. Yeah, I mean, even when he changes outfits, which we've seen him do in both films now, it is to put on, uh, you know, fancy duds, mm-hmm. basically, yeah. you know, it's, it's it's the I'm going out to the theater duds that he's uh, he, uh, we see him in when he shows up in Stuttgart, right? So, Yeah, it's kind of funny that he doesn't use more opportunities to really, really ham things up. Like, I mean, Joker level things where suddenly it's like he's in some crazy outfit and it's just like, why? Because I'm the god of mischief. Why not?
2: Yeah, why not? I think it's Thor The Dark World. Uh, Like the one good thing about that movie is uh, he turns into Cap for a while and he's just like razzing Thor as Steve. Uh, (laughs) And somebody's finally like he could do anything, right? Why would he not do stuff like this? Yes. Yes. For sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, we get to see fun moments like when he's doing the plays and things like that. Yes. Like there, there are fun moments, but as the character himself, it would be really mm-hmm. fun to actually have him creating more mischief. Yes. that's what we need more of.
2: Th- th- this is kind of mischievous. He's escaping. He knows he's going to trick his brother, and like I really do like his tired. Like how I've been pulling this trick yeah. on you for five hundred years, bro. Yeah. How are you still <laughs> falling for it? <laughs>
0: it's so good. It just plays so well into just like their relationship. And this is what I, I really do enjoy about this film is that it does definitely feel like there is this uh, continuing line of this constant back and forth between the two of them as brothers that we had in Thor and they still love each other, but they're constantly at odds. And this is just a a great moment of that.
2: I, I would say Thor still loves Loki in this movie. It's, it's interesting. It's been a while <laughs> since watching this, but like with Ragnarok, uh, and then the Loki's own show forgetting like how it's, he kills thousands of people in this movie. And then oh, yeah. we're just like, he's fine. Cause he's charming. Yeah. Like how does yeah. he become? It's crazy that, and this is, you know, the, the problem with the comics and comic book based stuff is like, well, they're cool now. So I'm not going to have them have consequences.
0: this is uh we've brought this up a lot in this show because it's like yeah he killed 80 plus uh shield agents in the Uh beginning when the the whole tesseract exploded and destroyed the base and then uh, you know at the at the um in Stuttgart at the opera or wherever, the concert hall, the, the museum, whatever it is, uh, he, like, takes a guy's eyeball out yeah. of his head, and then he nearly kills an old man just to make a point. It's like, this is a dark, dark character, and this is the version of him in particular that gets his own TV show. And so it's a very dark line that uh, this character goes on, but Tom Hiddleston is so adorable. He's
2: so adorable, and and I've read, I don't know if this is, like, official company canon, But like, I think fans trying to wiggle out of liking somebody who's genocidal are like, well, he was under, he was too, was under control of the Mind Stone, even though he didn't get zapped, he was near it and it it was influencing him. That's why he's so dark
0: here. There is a whole line of thinking with that, that I I don't know, we've talked about a little bit back and forth because it's kind of come up like, is he, is there some sense that, like this is why Thanos was okay giving him the mind stone mm. after all to go to some other planet and instead of coming himself because there was this level where he had somewhat of control over him and only because Loki was so in on board with all of the stuff like right. yeah sure i totally want to take over midgard and and ruin my brother's uh, planet that would be great Like that, that would be why it'd be so easy to kind of suck him into that. But at the same time, it's just like you just don't see it. And so I I struggle with that as a conceit. And I think that it is fans, largely, who probably are writing that into their, uh, their story so that they can say, it's okay to still like Loki because of that.
1: Mm -hmm. Also, Hiddleston is damn charming. Yeah, it was, his. <laughs> it
2: was charming. I, I would but rather fans it. be honest and be like, look, he's very yeah. handsome. He's very charming. He's so I don't charming. care that he killed half of New York. Let's move is on. It,
1: <laughs> same reason I low-key love uh, Hannibal Lecter. Like, come yes. on. Like, it's okay. Super charming. Dapper. Knows how to pair wine. Um, It's, it's all right. Yes. And because they even... Because of charm. Put him in the
2: Hannibal Lecter... This whole prison with him to before not right. our minutes, but it's, it's right. such an ode
1: to silence of limbs. Yes, yeah, it, it is an ode to <laughs> silence of limbs. That's so true. <laughs> I just now I want to hear Loki go, <laughs> Ah, my beans" <laughs> while wearing a wrestling singlet. <laughs> if only new Halloween oh, costume yeah.
0: that nobody yeah. will get. <laughs> right, <sighs> but we will, and sometimes that's all that matters.
1: Yep, that's all that matters. <laughs> so funny.
0: Wonder what AI art can do for me right now. You, you guys go
1: ahead.
0: <laughs> oh man. Um, again, tracking our mercenaries, we do finally see the mercenary who did show up here in the in the uh, detention center. This is the one who frees Loki. And you know, this is a question we'll save for later. But I, I do have a question: Does he actually stop in the lab on the way and get the scepter to bring it down here? Oh, we'll, see, we'll save that okay. question for later. See if we can figure that out. But I do wonder often <laughs> about that.
2: It's I. It took me a few watches because at first I was like, "Wait, but how did Loki get out? Could he have gotten out this whole time?" And then I was like, "Oh, the guy who just kind of slackjawed, yeah, is <laughs> standing there. He let him out. Okay, because Thor runs in, they do the flip, and then the uh, Thor smashes the side, and it looks like it could fall out, and the guards." face is hilarious loki is like surprised because it's funny the guard is just like oh no should we stop this boss like he's so stunned he's like i don't know what to do right now
0: (laughs) you know he's he's a a, you know a a utility stunt player and he's doing his job yeah he's he's here to take hits (laughs) uh well all right so um uh so barton's on the way and i guess the whole their plan well, actually, I'd love to get your thoughts on it. We've been talking a lot about the plan, uh, why their whole plan was to get Loki up here in the first place. Um, and, and now that Loki is here, Barton's plan is to, OK, I'm going to I'm going to hone in on the scepter because it's it, we can track its gamma. We'll follow find where you are. We'll pick you up and then we'll bust out of there. Uh, you know, what do you think of the plan as far as what their intentions are?
2: I, I think it's the so many villains and so many movies have done this play. Now he Loki did want to get tra- uh, trapped on purpose with cat points out in the movie. He's like, come on, that was too easy. And was like, Shh, you're a Boy Scout. Uh, <laughs> just I, because the Mindstone and Loki together are messing with everybody on the boat's head. And so Clint and the Mercs are going to cause chaos, but not as much emotional chaos like if if loki wasn't there and they're like well we'll attack the helicarrier it would have gone much smoother if all the avengers were just like doing fine and not at each other's throats when it all started and so i think it's just to sow discord and mischief oh he's doing it finally the plan he's, is mischief
0: mischieving. yes the plan was mischief all along there it is all right well uh, with that i suppose that we can, <laughs> we can actually buy into this whole thing <laughs> But we do, you know, so we have this cute moment between the brothers, and that takes us to uh, to Barton, who is on his way here. He's coming to presumably meet up with Loki and the mercenary so that the three of them can now uh, head up to the Quinjet and take off. But Barton uh, is on the catwalks, and he does get stopped. Now, Pete, I know we've had some, uh, some arguments about the fact that this helicarrier seems awfully empty. I will say, yes, the catwalk is empty, and I know... Uh, You know, we've already recorded episodes uh, for later in the week um, about the emptiness of this particular area. But when he first comes into this catwalk area, we do actually see there are a number of people working below him.
1: Yeah, these are two there are two parallel catwalks that are revealed here. Right. Mm -hmm. Because they're jumping back and forth between these two catwalks. And there are a couple of people below. That's right. But these things extend, what, the length of the helicarrier and no one else is on them?
2: They've all listed. (laughs) They've all listed into other parts of the ship right now. (laughs) They got dumped like when when the salt is stuck. Somebody just shook them all up, so they're just hanging yeah. out in the the <laughs> aft side they're of up the helicarrier. The, they're in the
1: pipes. Yes. They're all wedged in <laughs> the pipes above. <laughs> this is just—it's just one of those things that that you know. I, again, not made for for movie by minute, but I just think that this is one of those, um you know, this is this is built on the aesthetic of a military vehicle right? right of a of an aircraft carrier and carriers don't look like this this is design this is production design for dramatic license and it is a thing when watching the movie like this that takes me out of it because it feels like there was such opportunity i think they actually had better opportunity to to go like full submarine aesthetic Mm. and what does a fight look like in really small compartments right that could have been crazy cool and uh and and instead they made this like massive you know massive storage areas multi-level everything and i just i you know it it loses me a little bit so that's my central quibble
0: or, I mean, even having a fight in a very populated area between two of these people. Yes. I mean, we, we start seeing that loosely with Hulk and Thor. But again, there's only like, you know, 10 people in the room. It's, it's yeah. like, why is this why is this huge hangar so uh, vacant from, from the crew at right. this point?
2: And it makes sense that they would all bail if it's Hulk versus Thor. But if sure. it was Nat versus Clint, and you can see a guy coming up with a wrench and trying and like really show that these are elite fighters if they had some normies to mess around with.
0: Yeah, I think there would be an interesting thing there. And then it creates situations with Barton with and his arrows as he's getting ready to shoot. Is Natasha then not just trying to avoid them, but also trying to, like, make sure that the arrow doesn't hit somebody behind her or something, you know? Right. So it could be cool. But we do finally get the two of them going uh, toe-to-toe here as, you know, he's kind of marching and then suddenly she shows up directly behind him. And I, I guess what I like about this fight, I, I don't think it's the most creative... Uh, creatively crafted fights in mm. the film but i do like that uh it it does feel like two people who know each other and know uh what each other's strengths and weaknesses yeah. are and i like that it's you know we're seeing a fight between two non-supers
2: yes and and yeah the, the hand-to-hand and it, it is proof that bone arrow is uh not a great weapon Especially in close quarters. Well, yes. Yeah. Because he right. turns around and fires by her head, because you can't at that point you can't like switch.
1: You're right. <laughs> Jump back what, real quick. I, <laughs> one of the one of the best <laughs> of so it is when they they get it. They're they're in their their fisticuffs and she like grabs the bow string yes. and he's holding the bow and there's there's like a straight up three stooges yes. kind of. He just of lets go of the bow for a second so right. it slams her in the face. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So good. So good.
0: I, I, yeah, I, and that's that's actually like, okay, that was kind of creative, like coming yes. up with something, like an interesting way to kind of combat somebody who's doing that. What I like about this is, you know, it actually gets rid of his bow, and this is where Clint pulls out his blade. Now, I didn't mm-hmm. realize this. My my uh, my Hawkeye knowledge didn't, uh, you know, go into the realm of the blade usage of Hawkeye, but he also has a specialized dagger made by the knife manufacturer Busa, and this knife, if you look at this dagger that he's using, it is incredibly cool. It actually has an arrow, uh, designed into the, sh- into the blade, kind of running up the blade. And then the, the handle of the dagger is a bullseye symbol and it kind of runs through oh, the whole awesome. length of the handle. It is a really cool dagger. And it would be kind of one of those cool things to just like, I mean, it's not like I have daggers and swords on my wall, but still it's one of those things that would be a cool prop to kind of have.
2: Uh, oh, totally. Somewhere. Yeah. And, and it, like, it does, like, we've seen him, like, clearly he's a shield agent, he, he's mind control, but he's doing cool fighting things, but that's when, like, he drops the bow and arrow, and he pulls out, and he does a cool knife, and he's like, oh, this guy might be dangerous. He's not just, like, a goofball with arrows.
0: Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, he, I mean, he knows what he's doing with this thing. I mean, he actually looks more dangerous with this yes. than with his bow, which yeah. may not bode well for Hawkeye as the character, but still, he looks pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we, we haven't really talked. I mean, is Hawkeye a character that you've ever followed or is he more just one of these characters that pops up in movies that you watch from time to time?
2: For a long time, he was just that he's a guy who popped up and in, in, in more than the comics, right? He's like bright purple and he's a goofball and he's kind of a pompous ass. Very different from this. The, the MCU Hawkeye is so beholden, just like a lot of the MCUs, but to the ultimate yeah. universe Hawkeye, which is uh, boring. The ultimate universe hawkeye has no personality he is just there and i i'm not the biggest jeremy renner fan in general and so i was like eh. but then the age of ultron he won me over i think he does a lot better it, when, when he's just like i'm just a guy with a bow and arrow we're shooting robots i don't know why i'm here let's go fight like and then the hawkeye tv show i was like okay now it feels like hawkeye but it's a it, Matt Fraction's run from a few years back is what took me from being like Hawkeye to like I love this character now because it's what is he like when he's not hanging out the Avengers and he's just living in Brooklyn in an apartment building and he's kind of a POS uh, and he's just a funny weird dude and the more elements of that just makes him more interesting to me.
0: You know, I have plenty of issues with the fact that for the film that they decided, well, we'll just make him a villain for the whole first half of it. And then then he can be a hero, the rest of it. But because um, as a character, I, I, I liked the character in the comics mm-hmm. uh, more than in the movies, although I, I like Jeremy Renner. I think that he's he's great. But um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting character. And I'm just I'm glad we're getting to a point where we can stop being a bad guy.
2: Right. And that really bugged him when when because I think, you know, he they all auditioned for who knows how many films in the beginning. And then when he got this version of the script, he was pissed.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Rightfully so. It's it's nonsense what they what they do to his character. But, uh, you know, we get this is the this is the start of the big turn. And it's a relief, kind of, that we get to see him as a as the character as playing the authentic sort of mcu version of hawkeye and also we kind of have to see him play the mcu version of hawkeye <laughs> right like i like him and i like hawkeye but he is a bit dour especially the more that we've talking about hawkeye we've been talking about hawkeye they gave so much of the hawkeye personality to other characters and um and so we we we're still stuck with the same guy that Stellan Skarsgård introduced us to uh-huh. in Thor. Oh, the Hawk in his yeah. roost, <laughs> yeah, in his roost, <laughs> yeah. And and so you know, it's it's fine, but I can understand why I, I I don't. I mean i I really liked the the Loki TV show very very much. I love the series and um, had a great time with it. And I feel like that's I I kind of wish it didn't come. Uh, not Loki, Hawkeye. Uh, I kind of wish that it didn't come so late in what is clearly the Hawkeye arc because <laughs> that was a show designed to hand it off to yes. someone else. I know. Right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. They finally so. give him something fun to do and it's like, okay, yeah, now and, you're done. And it's this. Yeah. Patch on the back. Send right. you on your way. Oh, <laughs> uh, well. Well, we go from this fight back to Thor and Loki in the detention center. This is where we finally see Thor trying to figure out how to get out of this thing, and he takes Mjolnir, smashes it into the glass, putting a nice big crack in it. And, uh, you know, as we kind of already alluded to, it, it shifts things a little bit. It seems like this actually may not be the best thing to do. But I, I do wonder, if Thor just kept hammering at it, would, it uh, would he actually break through quicker than Loki could kind of open the bottom and hit the plunger?
2: Right, especially because there's right now there's a floor. Yeah, exactly. So we just kind of rest on that for a bit. And yeah. <laughs> he proves later in the movie that he could get out with just a couple good swings. So he could have done that here.
0: He gets out with one swing later. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Well, I assume so his skull slamming back and forth is also what helped weaken that class.
0: <laughs> well, and maybe he hits this place where he already cracked it. So right. Maybe it only needed one more hit. He just doesn't know because he never tries.
2: But th- this is also the moment where, because earlier, like, well, the, the brothers love each other. And I, I do believe Thor loves Loki. But Loki's like, who knows if we're immortal? Let's find out. Like, he does. He, <laughs> right. He, he's murderous. <laughs>
0: Yeah. And I, I think that's actually a really good point. Like, I think that there is uh, kind of a level of love between these two characters. But at the same time, I think if Thor did something that actually accidentally killed Loki, I think he would be pretty upset about it. If Loki did something that accidentally killed Thor, I think he'd be like, well, that is sad, but I'm okay. Moving on. Right.
1: But he's so charming.
0: And I think <laughs> this is where we are. <laughs> okay.
1: Moving on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> gotta grieve but mm, mm. work to do also yep. sketch. Yep. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, geez. Um, at the end of this minute as Loki's getting ready to test uh, Thor's immortality we do hear a thud and then we cut and we see the mercenary landing on the floor we don't know who actually took the mercenary out but now one more mercenary is down again I don't know if this one's dead or just kind of knocked out but again One more mercenary out. So really, it's just the bridge that seems to have an endless supply of mercenaries kind of popping in.
2: uh, My theory is this is the first MCU mutant, and all the mercenaries were actually Jamie Madrox, the multiple man. And so that's why every time one gets knocked over, three more pop out of that unconscious
1: one. Oh, I love that. If only they'd given us the briefest bit of that effect,
0: like the entire thing would be fixed. (laughs) Oh, okay. Well, um, I, any last thoughts on any of this minute? Um, you know we've got some good stuff going on with our characters here.
2: Th- this minute is the the preceding minute to one of my favorite minutes in in the whole movie, and somebody scooped it up before I could say <laughs> I guess that one because I I love Phil Coulson. Spoilers of Who Knocked Who Out. Uh, I love Phil Coulson. Was a huge Agents of Shield fan, and Clark Gregg in general, is such a, a wonderful actor. He does so much with so little in this movie, but and in, in like it really does, and the movie hits at home that like the Avengers form because of what's about to happen in the following minute. Uh, so I was like, well, fine, I'll do the three minutes leading up to that, <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then sneak in my opinion. <laughs> That's right, <laughs> right That's the that very opinion. last second.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about the way that uh, you know we always refer to the uh, writer director as Tignataro because the whole Army of the Dead thing? Uh, what do you think of the way that Tig uses this as a tool in his scripts as far as building a, a character that you love, like really amping that character up and then killing them like uh, late in the film to kind of amp up the emotional attachment and engagement with the film?
2: I've loved that since I was a kid. Well, one, one of the first like series I was super into was called Dragonlance. It's in like a and d sub series and there's a bunch of novels and several of the main characters in that first trilogy die. And as a kid, I was like, I didn't know you could do that. And then Mm. Tig has, as you pointed out, has always done that with with their works. And yeah, I, I like stakes and I know there's other stakes than main characters dying, but when it, when a character you care about dies, yeah, it it hits home. I, I, I'm such a sucker for such an obviously, Emotionally manipulative ploy in fiction.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Sucker punch. Yeah, yeah. I'm there for it. Yeah,
1: yeah. Here it works well. Role. I mean,
0: I I always think about Wash in in Serenity and mm-hmm. how much that that uh, moment. Yeah. Yes. Leaf in the wind. Oof.
2: And and he he knows who it's the. How could you not like this? Like, kind of. He's not macho. It's always a not macho kind of weak funny dude right and then you're like they so the human the the surrogate for the audience and he's like i'm gonna kill you audience member yeah <laughs> get ready
0: that's a dark way of
1: looking at it though <laughs> that's how i'm gonna kill
0: off my audience surrogate
1: i'm going to kill you audience
0: member <laughs> oh jeez. well it has been fantastic talking with you over these the, the last few episodes mike thank you so much for joining us thanks for having me gents this is always a pleasure we're gonna have you back uh gosh when are we having you back later uh I will be back
2: uh the very last minute unless you do deleted scenes.
0: Oh, that's right. You are uh, doing our oh, post-credits. I'm doing scene a us. post-credit
2: with you. That yep, I yep, think standing. might be the first
0: thing I scooped up
2: because I do. I told my wife, I want a Renaissance painting someday, style painting of that above oh, nice. my dining room table. <laughs> so it's like, we're going to talk about that. And then there's an, another one that...
0: Uh, Somewhere in the Battle of New York, I believe.
2: Yes. It is a pretty important moment in the Battle of New York. Excellent. <laughs>
0: Well, this has been fantastic. Again, thank you. And we'll be back tomorrow to talk about Minute 85. Oh, but first, tell everybody again, one last time this week about your shows and where they can track them down.
2: Sure, if you're tuning into this one first for some reason. uh, The Superhero (laughs) Show show, wherever you get your podcast, we watch and review every single live-action TV show based on comic books and also X-Men in the Animated Series because that show's amazing. Uh, And then we also have Movie of the Year. Each season, we build a bracket. Uh, in a year to determine the best slash most definitive movie of that year, we've been going through 2002, which has films like Adaptation, Twenty uh, Fifth oh. Hour, uh, oh. Morvern Collar, a weird Scottish movie. So it's 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 a good old time. It's it, we cover everything a movie could be on that
0: series. That is fantastic. Perfect. That sounds like uh, right up my alley. So uh, check that out. We'll have all that in the show notes, everybody. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow with uh, Dean O'Carroll, a playwright who's written some Marvel stuff. It should be pretty fun. And so that's it for today. So, Pete, thanks as always. I wonder what Dean thinks about Loki in a singlet. Hmm. (laughs) Until next time, true believers.